0: Hey George, how's it going? Thanks for taking this meeting with me.
1: Well, you know, it's going pretty well, Bob. Happy to be here. I'm so glad you decided to take my meeting. I have a lot of thoughts, you know. Now, I I didn't love what you guys did with The Force Awakens, and don't even get me started on The Last Jedi, so I'm glad you brought me in so we can finally use some of my scripts and we can write this wrong for Episode Nine. Thank you for having me.
0: I I just want to make sure you understand your role here. Director?
1: Writer? Producer? Editor? No.
0: No, no. Oh. Here's the concession we'll make. You get Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford in the room... And we'll let Lawrence Kasdan write this movie.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, let me, uh, let me call him real quick.
2: I thought I told you never to
1: call me. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you were just kidding around. I, 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 I have some good news for you. I think maybe you'll want to talk to me after getting this. What's going on? Well, right now I'm over at the Disney Studios with Bob Iger, and he's a great guy. He agreed to let me write, direct, produce, star in um, Episode 9. So it sounds like we're going to write this ship that you could have ruined in Force Awakens, Harrison. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on. We're about to sit down and have a meeting about Indiana Jones 5. Oh, great. I've been waiting for this meeting. Let's get after it. Come on over. We're waiting for you. All right. Okay, see you soon, best friend. Love you. George, how do you think that call went? Is he coming? Is he taking the meeting? I think it went great. He's really excited about me writing, directing, starring in editing and shooting episode nine. This is great news. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, just a little thing, though. I, I forgot to mention Solo to him, so he thinks he's coming in to talk about Indiana Jones 5. So um, if you want to mention that or you guys want to start maybe pre-production on that movie in the next before he gets here, that might be a good idea.
0: I I don't think you understand your role here. Once again, CEO of Disney, my
1: company, Walt Disney Studios,
0: is at is currently paying you four billion dollars to never touch the Star Wars franchise again. Do you understand that?
1: Oh hey, Harrison, perfect timing. Come on in, join us. We're getting ready to talk all things Indiana Jones. I
2: don't see any Indy Five posters. What's that? What's that poster say? Solo
1: for? Bob, why don't you take it from there?
2: Harrison, hey, I,
0: I don't know if you recently saw the new hit film, Justice League, but did you see what they did with that Superman lip? You see how good that looked? Well, just think Whoa. about if we apply that technology to your face and we de-age you for a prequel movie about the origins of Han Solo. What do you think about that? Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? Well, is that, is that a yes or a no? When, when you say snakes, are you referring to George.
1: I think he's referring to you. George does not uh, have to be a part of this. He's referring to you. He, Harrison, my best friend here, is mad that y- he's calling you and this company a snake for not letting me write, direct, produce, edit, star, and cast, shoot, light, and do audio for the Star Wars trilogy that you're making. Did you guys know that I created Indiana Jones? <laughs>
0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three trade smugglers with nothing better to do. I'm your host Austin Terry.
1: I'm Matt Johnson aka Woody Harrelson swinging guns around. And I'm Keith Baker. Guys, how's it going? It's good to see you. It's going good. Happy to be here. I always enjoy our, you know, couple Star Wars episodes we put out a month. Fun to talk about. It's exciting to rewatch this legendary franchise. Um, still with kind of covid and quarantine going on you know and work and stuff there's nothing i look forward to than watching two and a half hour long star wars movies right after so i'm doing great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was thinking about this movie i
2: think we all three had different feelings in this movie i think more austin against matt and i at the, on the initial watching so I'm anxious to see if austin has switched his views and you as well matthew if you've uh, changed your mind on any things we'll see yeah well
0: well we are going to be talking about solo today and if you're just joining us for the first time we are the arnies this is a show about movies tv gaming everything in between before we get to the solo we do have some quick housekeeping issues to take care of matt take it away
1: yeah, so if you are a fan of The Boys, then you might know that Austin and I did basically reviews of each of the episodes of Season 2 as they came out, and our first episode of coverage for Season 2 of The Mandalorian just came out on the last couple of days, so make sure to go to our podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and listen to that. And we are, of course, happy to announce that we will be doing um, one basically review a week as each of these episodes come out, should be should be around Sunday. So make sure you tune in for the podcast within the podcast, the award-winning The Mando's Talking the Lorien. And yeah, guys, we just
2: got through the Halloween weekend. And just in case Halloween was not spooky enough for you, go back and listen to our ghost story episode where the three of us each came out with our own scary story. Whoa. Give it a listen.
1: Well, I guess by our own, you mean that we just like took others that we had heard before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we toyed with the, adu- with the idea of doing our own for a while, but then we were like, Oh no, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> so it's still a fun episode nonetheless.
0: All right. And we do have to give um, a very special shout out to our friends over at the FN nerds podcast. Um, they're two great guys, Martin and Nick. This is a long overdue shout out. They've been super helpful to us on Instagram. Um, they have a great show. They do movie reviews, movie news, um that sort of stuff and we are working I'm um, putting together a very special collaboration episode with them.
1: Oh wait, Austin, are you serious? Are you serious? They're going to come on to do We're like working on it. a really cool movie or TV or gaming based episode? Like what are we going to talk about with them? It's go- it's got to be great, right?
0: Well, it's the Rise of Skywalker, hopefully.
1: <sighs> great. I
0: know. My favorite I know. film. <laughs> um and I, I don't know if you two are aware, but Martin might be coming in with a bit of hostility towards
1: us. You know what, Austin? I think I'm going to be on your side on this one. I think I might be on... I'm going to really? have to back you up because, I mean, I've had some harsh criticism for the early days of Mark Hamill. So, you know what? If they want to come in here and and, and and praise this guy saying he's always been a good actor, then we're ready to fight back.
0: There you go, Martin. I know you don't like my Mark Hamill comment, but I don't know if you can hear those weights in the background. Oh, I hear I've been that. working out my Hamill muscles and these fists, they're ready to be thrown. He's calling
2: it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: For real, everybody, if you like our show, if you like movies, check out The F and Nerds. That's the letter F, the letter N, nerds. Check them out. They've got a great podcast. Well, let's get into the show. Today is the pen
1: ultimate episode of the Star Wars series. Only one more movie left, guys. Our journey's winding down, so it's kind of a, a mixture of exciting and, you know, we made it. It's been a long time coming. Today, we've got to discuss another spinoff movie, Solo, A Star Wars
0: Story. And I think as the series has been going on... Uh, We've all had films that we've kind of been dreading to watch. And for me, today is that movie. Solo is a movie I've started many times, but today's viewing was the first time I've ever actually finished it. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm happy or sad about that fact. Matt, give us some thoughts so we can get into it.
1: Keith and I, I guess we should get backstory first. I th- I, when did this movie come out? A couple of years ago. And Keith and I, at some point, we found ourselves back in our hometown at the same time. And we were just hanging out. I believe we were throwing some drinks back at our local bar. And we were just like, we should go see Solo. And uh, we went to go see it together. And from what I remember, we both really enjoyed it. And this was only my second time watching it. And just to kind of tease, I still really like this movie. I, I'm... I'm almost surprised how much I like it for a Han Solo origin movie that we ostensibly didn't need. I mean, still, this movie isn't necessary. I mean, I, Han's vague past was always enough for me. But Matt did say two words there that I kind of want to key in on. And those two words are... Not
0: necessary? Didn't need. We did not need this movie. Let's go ahead and get into our movie facts, and let's start with the cast. We have Alden Enric as Han Solo, Amelia Clark as Kira, Woody Harrelson as Beckett, and Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. This film is also directed by Ron Howard and written by Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan,
2: the father and son duo. And this movie is also scored by John Powell. I thought the cast was good. I know some people had some problems with the guy who played Han, but I thought he had a good... Kind of Harrison Ford uh, feel to him. He, I mean, he got down some of the mannerisms, I believe, and uh, and I think Donald Glover played a great
1: young Lando. Yeah, Donald Glover is the best part of this film, I think. I love the cast. I think the cast is one of the best parts. I I think Han. I think Alden Ehrenreich's the best part of the movie. I, I think Keith nailed it there. I like that Keith didn't say he's going for a Harrison Ford impression because it's so clear he isn't. He's going for a young Harris. Well, I should say he's going for a young Han Solo feel. Like, there's certain mannerisms. It's not like he's doing just a growly Harrison Ford impression. It's like, you gotta keep in mind, this is at least 10 years before New Hope, so it feels like a younger person, uh, and with a different view on life and, a bit more positive and upbeat despite some of the negative stuff that happens to him. So I think um, Alden really did a great job. I think of course, Donald Glover is also great as young Lando. He's not in the movie too much, but I think he goes for more of an impression of Billy D. Williams, but it works since he's not like the main character or anything. Amelia Clark, I like her as the love interest and she does some really cool stuff, especially towards the end. Woody Harrelson is this weird twist on the Obi-Wan mentor. Certainly really um, interesting. And I guess, I guess, I can't remember the actor's name. I think it's like Swat Sutomo or something like that that plays Chewbacca. Definitely we're going to be talking about Chewbacca a lot because I think this is the best use maybe up until this point. I think they finally really did some great stuff with Chewbacca. So the cast overall and the characters and all that good stuff is really a highlight for me in this movie.
0: Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into the production. And we do have a little bit of drama with this film. So dumb. So this film was originally supposed to have been directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who was coming off the success of 21 Jump Street at the time. Um, However, the duo was fired three months into filming. Um, Apparently, Lawrence Kasdan disapproved of the way they were uh, improvising his script and story. And Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy disagreed with the way they ran the production. So ultimately, the decision was made to fire the duo and bring in Ron Howard.
1: Yeah, someone that um, I mean has worked in the periphery of the film business, certainly not to that level. Even even being an outsider, it's like this, this. Just seems insane. People talk about people. I should say like a vocal minority. Like Kathleen Kennedy's are ruining these movies. It's just just stupid. Like chill out. But I don't. I don't know whose <laughs> fault this is. But this is this is weird that this happened. It's, it's weird that they shot like ninety percent of this film with the original vision, and then what? I guess Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote it, then decides. It's like I don't like how what's happening with my script and then Kathleen Kennedy's like I don't like how you're running the set. Then they just get fired when the movie's almost done and reshoot the whole thing. It's weird.
0: Yeah, so apparently um according to the Hollywood Reporter, uh Casden demanded his script be read word for word and that's not the way Lord and Miller like to make their movies. They like to improvise. They think that they think that brings out the best work. Um, kind of from their actors is when they're improvising. Yeah,
1: I also heard that the actors got the parts by improvising. I heard that like Alden and Donald Glover were mainly cast based on their auditions, which were together and mostly improvised, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah, so in order to appease Kasdan, they're doing multiple takes. Um, they were doing, like, a bunch of takes written word for word, and then they were doing takes with stuff in- improvised, mm-hmm. which was then leading to, th- to the production dragging out. Um Apparently, Kathleen also didn't think they were uh, using enough cameras, like, for editing purposes. So, kind of, Kazden and Kathleen had a meeting, then eventually, together, they fired um, Lord and Miller, and then Ron Howard came in, and because he shot, like, 70 to 80% of the movie, he then earned the sole director's credit for the film.
1: Yeah, I just... It's so bizarre. I mean, again, how is this not something that was brought? I mean, all these issues. Why wasn't Lauren, Lawrence Kasdan saying something in the first couple of weeks of production? Like, hey, why aren't they shooting word for word? And why is Kathleen Kennedy not the beginning? Like, why aren't you using more cameras? It's just – and I think a large part of why this movie failed – kind of at the box office is because they shot the movie for however much money and then they basically had to double it to shoot it again (laughs) so then this movie had to make like twice as much at the box office just to break even and they couldn't which led to a bunch of future films getting canceled so just such a bizarre story one of certainly like the weirdest controversies and firings that ever happened reshoot wise especially in recent memory
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into the reception. Um, This film comes out May of 2018, and it makes $392 million worldwide against a $275 million budget. There you go. So it still is slightly a success, but those numbers also don't include marketing. exactly. Um, And certainly for a Star Wars movie, it is not the smash hit that Disney and Lucasfilm have come to expect.
1: Um, People have also pointed out, I don't know if I agree, but I think it's certainly worth... Mentioning for conversation that you have to keep in mind at the time this movie was coming out, only five months after the Last Jedi, which was obviously a humongous financial success, but a bit—I well, shouldn't even say a bit—very divisive with the audiences. So I think some people check maybe, out the
0: Last Jedi episode. We break down that divisiveness
1: exactly. So I think that combined with. Um, people saying, I don't want to see an origin to Han soil. It's not necessary. I think those two things combined were kept a lot of people that maybe would have seen a Star Wars movie at that time away from the box office.
0: Uh, so this movie launches to a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's pretty well-received by fans in the audience, but not that well-received by critics. Critics basically felt that it's, it's good, it's not great. Um, they like that it's a fun movie and it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and they also specifically praised Donald Glover for his performance as Lando. Um, And they also like the establishment of Han and Chewie's friendship and the way Chewie is used in this film. So good. As for the criticisms, I saw multiple critics call it basically a filmed Wikipedia page, which I think kind of sums up this film. Um, Critics acknowledge that Enric had a pretty impossible impossible task, but ultimately did not live up to Harrison Ford's Han Solo. And the film doesn't take any risks and just does a fan service and plays it too safe.
2: I think he played a great Han Solo. I don't. I. I people said he wasn't like shitty enough because you know Han Solo is supposed to be a shitty person, but we all know that Han Solo is a mix of good and shitty. So I and I think yeah, I think Alden played him great. I mean, I think he got a good mix. I think the only thing that takes away from or that maybe would add to those people's uh point would be yeah the and we'll get into this a little bit later is the 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 love story between him and Kira might have been a little unrealistic for Han for like the, you know, the Han Solo we know. And also Kira straight up tells him, "Han, you're a good guy." But
0: our introduction to Han in A New Hope is the whole Han shot first controversy where Han seemingly just kills this guy out of the blue, and we don't really get that side of him in this movie. I, I wanted to see the scoundrel kind of side of Han Solo in this film, and we never really got there.
1: I think we were going to get there. I think we were either going to get a sequel or that Boba Fett movie was gonna have Han as a side character that would have, I mean, this movie ends with them going off to Tatooine to work for Jabba the Hutt. And obviously that must have happened for a number of years. And then there we go. He's in the Mos Eisley Cantina for a new hope. I agree with what Keith is saying. Um, I've never understood the, I, I obviously I get what people are saying when it's like, he had an impossible task. You no know way he could have lived up, lived up to Harrison Ford. Sure. I get it. But at the same time, it's like, I think people, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Luke Skywalker character criticism for the last Jedi. Because for me, it made sense. Like you're locked into who this character is, but this character's 30 years later. It's kind of the same thing here. People are like, it's just not Han Solo for me. It's like, yeah, he's not Han Solo that we know yet. This is like a decade or more earlier. So at the end of this movie, I think we see certain events that happen, certain betrayals, stuff like that, that kind of start to lead him down the path. But, I think a sequel would have helped, but you can also on the flip side, make the argument that this movie shouldn't require a sequel in order to build that character. Maybe they could have done more here. So yeah, and, I can see both and sides. That's, and
0: that's kind of where I land. Cause ultimately this movie is two hours and two minutes long. Yeah. This does not need to be a two hour movie. I did not need a two hour prequel movie about Han Solo. Um, and I think I like ultimately just didn't learn anything new about the Star Wars franchise from this film. Um, it, no, it ends right where you kind of expect it to. I, I I, kind of agree with the critics. I don't think they took any risks in this film. Um, they didn't take any chances with the characters or anything like that. And I think it really does just kind of... It's just kind of there to do fan service and be like, oh, look, this is where this is where Han got his jacket. And that's why his last name's Solo. But you, you don't really learn anything like new and valuable. That changes the way you think about Star Wars, I don't think.
1: Yeah. Like we talked a little bit about with Rogue One, it's hard for movies like this, which... I guess you can call them an interqual, which we have movies that take place before and we have movies that take place after. In fact, we have a lot that take place before and a lot that take place after. So it's like, it's hard to take risks in movies like this. I would say the only risk rogue one took was they killed off the cast. But even, even though that sounds like a risk at the same time, it's like, what the hell were they supposed to do? Um, and here it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I I agree. There are no major risks, but I still enjoy it. Um, But, yeah, I agree with what they're saying. I mean, it does feel like a very kind of safe both story and, you know, film overall. So I get that. I get that.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's get right into the film now. If everybody that's been kind of listening on a weekly basis, we're going to kind of change things up a little bit today. Uh, We're not going to go kind of like act by act or scene by scene. We're just going to kind of have more like an open roundtable discussion.
1: Yeah. So let us know on social at The Arnie's or on our website, thearnies.media. Let us know what you think. Do you like the roundtable discussion? Do you prefer how we've done it in the past? We're just going to kind of mix things up this time. We're excited about this format. So just let us know if it vibes with you or not. Yeah,
0: we want to make something that you guys enjoy listening to, so let us know for sure. We're we're fine doing it either way. We, we're just taking some chances to see if we can make the show flow a little better.
1: We're taking some chances, unlike Solo's Star Wars story. So we are
0: introduced to a young Han Solo and his girlfriend Kira on the planet Corellia. Uh, they are orphans, kind of forced into labor for various crime syndicates who also work for the Empire. Um, eventually, Solo makes it off the planet. He joins a smuggling crew led by Captain Beckett. And they uh, devise a plan to go steal some very valuable coaxium, which the Empire and the crime syndicates need for raw fuel, and it's also worth a bunch of money. Uh, along the journey, we're introduced to Lando Calrissian uh, and Chewbacca, and we get the origins of the, of the Millennium Falcon as well. Obviously, it's going to be hard to set up like you ever feeling uh, like Han Solo or Truly could die in this movie, because we know they're in 45 more movies. So do you guys kind of buy any of the stakes for the characters in this film? Because for me, I really don't. I, I honestly never feel like Han and Chuli are ever in any danger. And I don't know these other characters well enough to care when they do die or end up kind of in per- perilous situations.
1: Um, I think that's a fair point. So again, it's almost like the inverse scenario of Rogue One. With that movie, at least for me, when I was watching it both the first time and the follow-up times, I was like, yeah, they're all going to die. It just seems like that's where this is going because it takes place in between. I feel like we kind of had enough information to put that together here. It's obviously the opposite. Obviously when your main characters are Han Solo, Chewbacca and Lando Calrissian, when they have scenes like where Chewie falls off the train and it's like, oh no, is he going about to get Indiana Jones <laughs> where he hits the side and then Han pulls him back up. Obviously there's nothing also to worry about. how they about. ended one of the trailers. That's true. Yeah. So obviously I never worried about them. Um... I will say, I mean, I I didn't necessarily know what was going to happen to Kira or Beckett because it did feel different from Rogue One in that sense where it's like these characters could really go off and do whatever. So I I wasn't really sure where that was going for a while. Same with Dryden as the villain. I assumed he might die. But yeah, so there was elements that I was expecting. But I think you you bring up a good point. When the main characters are people that we see in the follow-up films, it's hard to worry about them. What about you, Keith? Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I mean,
2: yeah, I didn't worry about Han or Chewie because, yeah. They're going to go on and do their, their shit in the other movies. But uh, yeah. yeah, thinking about Beckett and and Val and Dryden and Kira. Yeah, it, it, I, I was kind of, you know, hooked on them. It's like, and, you know, wondering like, okay, what's going to happen to these guys? Because obviously they're not in the other movies, so mm. <laughs> something's going to happen to them. And I think the smuggling crew is, is one of the more
0: interesting parts of this movie. And I kind of wish they'd all been around longer. Like, I think it would have been kind of cool to have a movie that's about like a young Han Solo meets up with this smuggling crew and he learns the yeah. ways of like being an outlaw. Um, He works his way up the ranks. Maybe Beckett still dies at the end. And then it kind of sets up for Han Solo to take over this crew. Mm-hmm. Um, And, ultimately we're introduced to them they're interesting characters and then they're dead 10 seconds later so it's like wow it really would have been cool to see more of that
1: i agree with what you're saying and that i was impressed how the characters of val and rio i'm not going to say they were interesting but i thought they were really engaging i think in large part due to tandy newton and john favreau's performance i i thought the characters were really fun and interesting and i liked watching them and i was sad when they died i thought they were effective death scenes and made me feel something um But kind of on the flip side, it's like, well, I would have liked to get to know them more. I do really like the premise, though, of like Han joins this first smuggling crew. Most of them die. And it's like, shit. Han talks his way uh, to Dryden, the main villain, like, hey, we can still make this work. And so now he has to take his old girlfriend that he hasn't seen in forever. He has to take Beckett, who's the one survivor. And it's like, who are we going to get? And then, of course, they find Chewbacca and Lando Calrissian along the way. So I kind of like the premise of the smuggling crew gets filled out by two people that we already kind of know and love. So I get what you're saying. I agree. I like those characters, but I did kind of like that. They kind of found a way to shove in some familiar faces as well.
0: Well, and and then the other thing I kind of like about this too, or something else I find interesting in this film is, is they set up that Han was an empire soldier for a little bit. Very cool. Um, and Very I cool. think that would have been really cool to see, but uh, just kind of like with the smuggling crew, it's cut short so soon. And instead we have to go do more fan service moments.
1: It works for me. I, I... I like the opening of the movie. I like where we end up. We're going to get to the the name. We're going to get to that people. Don't worry. Just a travesty of a moment <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> but right after that, um, basically, you know, the whole thing is Han and Kira get separated. And I really like Han's thing here. I like how his only goal at this point is to come back to the one place he wants to get out of in order to, in his mind, save um his longtime friend and the person he loves. I think that's really cool. And I like that the way he does that in order to kind of stay on Corellia and I guess ostensibly get money and find a way to get a ship is I guess I'll work for the empire. Um, I really like that. And I kind of like seeing him in these battle scenes. Again, I agree with what Austin's saying. I can see both sides to almost every point. It seems like here. Is it, is it a bit odd? Like, could we have gotten a lot more of this? Could they stretch this out to make things more interesting backstory wise? Sure. I think we could have gotten some cool battle sequences and it was shocking that to know that Han Solo, the one that we know and love was working for the empire for at least a a few years based on what we know. Um, but I, I, again, I also like how he gets out of it. I like how he, he talks his way out of it by kind of, uh, trying to get in with Beckett, Beckett betraying him. And of course he meets Chewbacca and then he is able to finesse his way out of that situation. And then Beckett and the crew are almost impressed that he didn't die. <laughs> so then they kind of just take him with him. So it, 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 there's, it's always changing. I, I totally see what you're saying, but it's in a weird way. I kind of like how the movie presented it at the same time.
2: I, I get what you're saying too. And I was, I was going to say, um, I do like all the brief moments he has with all these different groups because it does establish his neutrality. That's a good point. That's who, so- That's who Han Solo is. He doesn't align himself with anybody. He's always just it's always just him and then Chewie. Well, until 45 minutes later in the film when he then does align
0: himself with somebody else. Who? Emphis Nest.
1: But again, he, he turns it down. He does that in order to get out of the death, you know, like the lethal situation he's in. It's not like he... I see what you're saying, but it's not like he gives them all the coaxium, gets out of the situation, kills Beckett, and then is like, "I'm with the uh, the, the rebellion now." Um, no, no, that's my, that was my point because he turned them
2: down. They, they're like, "Are you going to join us? We need a we need a warrior like you." And he's like, "Nah,"
1: and he just <laughs> just goes his own it's way. It's like he did it out of self interest. In my and the way yeah, I exactly. saw exactly,
0: I don't know. I just kind of hate the three year jump. I guess sure. I, I kind of want to see those three years of him with the empire. Um, I kind of wish we'd started off that way. Maybe like maybe we open up with a young Han Solo and listening into the empire for something like get off his planet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like we don't need Kira in this movie.
1: Again, it's, it's one of those weird things. And Amelia
0: Clark gives a great performance. I I just feel like her character is
1: ultimately, yeah, she's awesome. I think
0: I just ultimately think her character is kind of pointless and we don't really need her here.
1: I don't disagree with that. It's one of those things, again, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's so clear that what they're setting up for is Han, at some point in the near future, in the 10-year, whatever it is, gap between the end of this movie and A New Hope, he's going to find out Kira's true intentions. She's going to have to betray him because in order to save herself, like Han was able to, quote-unquote, save himself by joining the Empire. She did the same thing by joining up with Maul and Dryden Vos. She's going to have to betray him, and that's going to be like the final thing that pushes him to... I don't fuck with anybody. You know what? Like, I'm just going to not trust anybody. I'm out for myself and Chewie. I'm I'm here to make money and that's it. So I totally agree with Austin. I don't think the character is needed in this movie. It's nice to have a character that directly ties back to his past before the events of the film. But it's so clear that the reason she was introduced was to set up some, I think, darker, more personal stuff in either a sequel or another standalone film. Maybe the Boba Fett one that was going to happen, if that makes sense. All this being said, I do want to make this point and see what you guys think. I agree with everything you guys are saying so far. And I agree with the critics that this movie takes no risks But I don't know if that's a bad thing, because, like, when I'm watching the Kessel run, I'm not worried about any of these characters, but it doesn't mean the sequence isn't cool. I'm not worried that Han's going to get shot in the head while he's fighting for the Empire. But at the same time, like, this is kind of cool that he's in the middle of a war fighting for the Empire and escapes with Beckett. I'm not worried Chewbacca the Beast is going to kill him. They're going to be best friends. But I'm like, this is still a cool introduction. So there's no risks and it's safe. But I still kind of dug the scenes. I don't know.
0: There is a way to take risk and still have it be cool. Like we can have, what if we had seen three years of Han being an empire soldier and maybe not necessarily agreeing with everything he's doing, but still doing some pretty dark stuff on behalf of the empire until he finally finds a way to get out. Like there's a way to take risks and still have these cool sequences. I agree. Or, in, and sure, the, the Kessel run sequence is fine, but what if we got more scenes of him in the in the Millennium Falconing running like multiple smuggling runs or leading a smuggling crew or something like that? Like, there's I just think there's a, a, a better way to make this movie.
1: Everything you're saying I think sounds cool, but it's like at the beginning of this, when we were saying this is just like a little bit over a two hour movie, what they put here is what they presented to us. We clearly have some issues with it. It doesn't fully make sense. It sounds like with the movie they presented, there needed to be at least one sequel to really tie things up in a nice bow. But it's like, I I also get it. If we spend too much time with him just fighting for the empire and getting off, or he's the leader of a smuggling crew, it it sounds like there's no way this could have been just one movie that worked. Maybe this should have been a TV series on Disney Plus. You know what I mean? It, It sounds like there's a lot. And maybe that was the gamble they took when trying to delve into the backstory of Han Solo. So maybe it's on them.
0: And a TV series is what Lawrence and Jonathan were originally writing. There you go. George Lucas asked them to write a TV show before he sold it to Disney.
1: It's either rumored or they've announced that Donald Glover is coming back for Disney Plus to do a Lando show, and there's no way that Han isn't going to be there. So maybe we will get eventually some of these kind of these interesting storylines tied up. You know, so we'll see. I, I there's no way Kira. And the mall stuff won't show up in that if that's true. So maybe we will get what we want. But I, I see what Austin is saying. I think there's some storylines here that I would have liked more time with. But it's a two hour movie, so I also get it.
2: Also, could have been an hour and a half movie. <laughs> that would have been fine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So we jumped into it a little bit about the Empire battle scenes. So I just wanted to talk about the beginnings of the Empire, which is what you kind of see in this movie. Is like the the very because I think this movie takes place. I think I read. 20 years after phantom menace which means it's right after revenge of the sith and before rogue one so you're getting the very beginning of the empire and it and it shows with his uh battle suit is kind of junky it's not a stormtrooper suit i, I think it's really cool too and, and i like how it, it kind of looks like almost world
0: war ii in a way with like the trench fighting and, and um, yeah just the yeah. way they're fighting here
1: I really love that part. Yeah, yeah, it was so jarring. It's at, at some points to see like scenes where a lieutenant would walk up and everybody would gather around taking orders. It was just so jarring seeing an actual like almost a World War One or Two esque scene in a Star Wars movie that Han Solo is featuring in. Nonetheless, so yeah, jarring in kind of a cool way. I-, I like those scenes as well.
0: I don't understand why they feel the need to differentiate between crime syndicates and the Empire in this movie. I think it gets really jumbled and confusing. Like, why can't we just have the Empire be, like, kind of having a hand in everything? Like, I don't understand why Dryden needs to be the leader, but not really the leader of Crimson Rose. Well, do they work for the Empire? I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> I think they I don't do.
2: Either. My understanding is all these, I think we, we get a little bit of it in uh, Last Jedi, too, where, like, all these planets have companies that sell uh, arms and weapons and, and coaxium to either side. Like it's all—they're all just in it for the money, you know. They don't—they're not picking sides at all. And that's and true. The the rebels and empire—it's it. Yes, it is a war, but remember, it's in a big galaxy. So all these, everybody else in the in these sm- in these small cities and galaxies—they're just. Working their normal lives
1: yeah you're you're absolutely right, and I think just for the sake of this movie, it's very clear that Corellia, obviously these crime syndicates are more so in line with the Empire selling directly to them, which is why they clearly have a base of operations there where they're bringing more recruits in to fight for them, and yeah, so Lady Proxima, who I guess Han and Kira are having to deal with. It seems to be in charge of this crime syndicate that is directly funding or fueling um, both money and resources for the Empire. So that's kind of where Han's backstory is. But yeah, definitely interesting. Again, t- kind of like how we talked about it with Rogue One. It was cool to see some aspects of the war and like even in The Last Jedi as well, even though we didn't love some of the Canto Bite stuff. It was cool seeing – How this, you know, titular war is affecting other people besides our main characters. We're seeing child labor. We're seeing animals being locked up and people on this gambling based planet profiting offset war. So that was kind of interesting. And here it's kind of the same thing. We're actually seeing these crime syndicates that we're kind of familiar with um, profiting and selling in order to survive during this wartime. So kind of interesting. Um, But to Austin's point, it certainly does make sense that it does get a bit jumbled when there's like, okay, so who's Crimson Dawn? Do they work directly for the empire? Do they just like make money for them? Like who's really in charge? It does get a bit confusing for sure. So speaking of things getting jumbled, I was surprised, both on my first watch and this watch, that in the span of five minutes, Han Solo uh, is—I guess I should say, technically—in the span of two hours and two minutes, or however long this movie is without credits, uh, we see Han Solo go from a nobody to, at least in (laughs) look— Um, exactly who he's gonna be in 10 years. Kind of weird that there's a 10 year gap here between this and A New Hope. And he gets his blaster. He gets the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon loses its escape pod and now it looks exactly like how it does 10 years from now. He gets his jacket. It's like, did we really need all of this? He gets his stuff? last
0: name. Oh
1: my God. We gotta talk about this. <laughs> we gotta talk about this. This scene, I need to know who filmed this scene. I, I pray, I pray that this was not. a a Phil Lord, Chris Miller thing. This must have been Lawrence Kasdan and Ron Howard. But Lawrence Kasdan, who, like, was so influential in the making of this character, how do you fuck this up so bad? Why is this character's name not just Han Solo? Is it that big of a deal that we needed to give an origin for why his last name is what it is? Like, Keith, (laughs) as a big Star Wars fan, would you have freaked out if the character, like, walks up to this Empire registration desk and is like, what's your name, son? Would you have been mad if he went, Han Solo? No, it's <laughs> so weird.
2: Yeah, it, it was so dumb. I don't come from any people, and he just kind of
1: looked confused. Like, why are you thinking? Well, so no, hard? you Either know what? You, you know what? I <laughs> thought Alden was good in this scene. He just says, "I have no one." The the guy that was weird was the recruit officer who just goes. He literally goes like, "You have no people," and then he like looks up and he's like, "Hmm, so low." <laughs> so stupid man (laughs) so bad i just i'm still at a loss that like i guess they thought skywalker organa kenobi the names are so weird and crazy that if somebody's last name is solo it must be a fake name well it just contradicts it contradicts itself because he does
2: have people because he mentions his dad later on in the movie he does mention his dad working at he mentions his
1: dad working at one of the plants in Corellia. <laughs> Honestly, anything else would have been better. I mean, even if like somehow they established that maybe these child slaves didn't have names, like they just had a first name or, or something like that, I don't know. And then maybe Han – again, this would have been stupid also, but it would have been better – after he loses Kira, he walks up to the desk and he introduces himself as Han Solo um, as this kind of like just angsty, stupid, like response to that. But just the, they, they, it's like they did the worst of every opportunity here. It's like he doesn't pick his own name. Apparently it's not his real name. And then someone else picks it for him because he, quote unquote, has no people. It's, ugh, it's just so bad. <laughs> it's almost offensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that Beckett essentially hands him like a Han Solo manual. He basically just like pulls out a trunk and he's like, all right, kid, here's your blaster, here's your jacket, <laughs> here's everything you need. Here you so here's go. <laughs> here's the three original movies. Read these scripts because this is who you're going to be yeah. in 30 years. Like, it's, so, it's in the span of like 10 minutes.
1: It is weird. For me, the clothing and the Falcon are the most egregious. I don't know why they felt the need to make him dress the same. The Falcon's weird because when you think about it, that's the one that doesn't work from a story perspective because they eject this escape pod in order to help him escape Kessel. Is it not weird that over the course of the next 10 years, nobody was like, or, or were they like, you know what? I like how this thing looks without an escape pod. <laughs> like they never replaced <laughs> yeah. it. It's just stupid in order to make it look how it does in the originals. Uh, the blaster is my favorite part. That's one that works the best. I think, you know what is. I like the fact that he's had this gun for a while. It's so iconic looking. And I like that he got it. And hey, you know what? I like the way Alden looks when he shoots it. He looks like Harrison Ford shooting the gun. So
0: Yeah, I think him shooting the blaster is certainly like... Where he looks the most like yeah. classic Han Solo, agree, for
1: sure. I agree. Mm. But the rest of them were probably too much. I guess the dice is almost like they, were, they got written into a corner with the dice because of The Last Jedi specifically. It's like, okay, obviously these are important to Han Solo. So maybe in a weird way it worked by introducing them when he was so young because clearly it means a lot to him. Um, and then the final shot is the dice hanging from now his Millennium Falcon. So it it was too much at times, but I get why they kind of had to do it in a way.
0: We did kind of briefly get to touch on Donald Glover's Lando. Um, let's do it a little bit more here. What do you guys think about Lando in this movie? Do you like, you know, the casino stuff? Do you like that he kind of tries to put his, his own
2: spin on him as well? Oh, man, I love the casino scene. I thought that was a perfect intro into Lando. Just the, the cockiness, the cheating, the the uh, the flirting and all that, and just the sleaziness of him. It was perfect.
1: Uh, Lando feels a bit more... Full formed, if that makes sense. Like, I'd ha- I'd have to look it up, Keith. I don't know if you know how much older is Lando than Han Solo. I think he's supposed to be like five or ten years older. Because I like that he feels more fully formed. I like that the Lando we see in this movie isn't too far off from the Lando we see in Empire. I think that's pretty cool. I like that. I like yeah. the um, difference with Han, where there's still a lot of time before Han reaches that point. So I think Lando as a character in this movie has the benefit of that. And Donald Glover gets to kind of play more of just doing like a Billy D. Williams impression and using his like iconic cadence and the manner of speaking as well. And it's fun, man. That's all I can really say. He, he's great in the movie. He's really in the in the grand scheme of things. Not really in it that much. Um, Even in some of the action sequences, he kind of takes a step back, especially on Kessel. He's really kind of doing his own thing. But I, I like it. And I like the relationship with L3. I think L3 certainly is a different droid than we've gotten accustomed to seeing. Certainly more almost human in a weird way, I guess, maybe by spending time with Lando. But yeah, without even going too much into it, I, I really like the use of Lando in this movie. It's just fun. That's that's the word I would use for it. I really I really enjoy watching him.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with the critics when they said that it's not great, it's not bad, but it is fun. And I think Lando is kind of really what makes this movie fun. I, I think Donald Glover does such a great job in this film. And um I I love the scene where he's like sitting back in the cockpit. And, like, almost journaling to himself. I think it's so funny.
1: Yeah, that was great. I love that. And uh, just the simple payoff we get at the end. Like Keith said, I love the casino scene. I love that he's just blatantly cheating and nobody seems to care. Even Han's like, you didn't have that card. (laughs) Like, you're cheating. (laughs) Um, And the fucking dude... Keith and I in the theater were like just like fist pumping at the end. The payoff at the end, where Han fakes being happy to see him, hugs him, steals his card. We see the close up of Lando trying to cheat at the end. Han wins the Falcon. We see how he won the Falcon. It's just perfect, perfect. Yeah. Loved it.
2: It does end with a really great ending.
1: Well, it goes it goes perfectly into Empire when they first,
2: when they meet yeah. again, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like uh what do you do with my ship you old boy and then and then, Han, and then han's like what are you talking about? i want it fair and square so like they got
1: the reference down perfectly yeah so how did you guys feel that they took that really quick line and keith maybe you know better than i it's just there's the quick line in a new hope where i guess in response to how good of a pilot are you um han's like well i did the kessel run in 12 parsecs is that what he says do i have that right um, and yeah. It, yeah. And it was just so. this, it was just this line that was supposed to make him look cool and like he's a great pilot. And in this movie, the main plot becomes shit. The smuggling crew died. So now how are we going to get the coaxium to appease Dryden boss? And Han's like, well, what if we did unrefined coaxium? Obviously harder to transport, but you know, they can get a shit ton of it. It'll be worth a lot. And Dryden's like, I like this kid. So the main plot of the movie essentially becomes they have to go to Kessel. In order to get the unrefined coaxium, they have to steal it, escape, and then, of course, they end up in the Kessel Run, the infamous Kessel Run. Uh, So this is kind of, if you think about it, kind of the main journey of the film. Did you guys like that they used that one line from A New Hope to make this entire plot? Did you like um, all the stuff that happens before the Kessel Run, like going into the mines and all that good stuff? Like, What were your thoughts on this entire sequence?
0: So I think it's cool that they took this like throwaway line, and kind of made a movie out of it i think that's cool um the mine sequence is great i love what happens with l3 there i like i like the moment with chewie Ooh, yeah um yeah the moment with chewie is great how he gets to go save his uh wookies mm. um i think han has a pretty good moment where he lets chewie go yeah and that kind of builds their relationship I as like well that moment a lot. like we've kind of already talked about lando and han you know shooting their blaster together trying to save each other great moment there as well when they take off from the mines and uh have to go into this wormhole and then encounter a space monster, that's where I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen.
1: Whoa, really? Wow. Okay, interesting. What about you, Keith? Do you feel the same way? Or where are you at with this?
2: <clears throat> I agree with Austin on the, on the space monster part. But the Kessel Run part, I, I liked. I thought it was like a different twist on space in Star Wars. Because you always, in all the movies, you always see them always perfect, like going perfectly through space without hitting anything. Except for uh, maybe uh, Empire where they go through the asteroid field, but besides that, you never see them going through like some really treacherous parts of space with cosmic gases and rocks and asteroids flying everywhere and you really get to see that in this one
0: and and I, I agree with you, Keith. I, I think it's cool how they kind of end up basically in like a like a space trash heap almost, and they have to navigate yeah. their way through that without their nav system. I think that's really cool. yeah, but then when you run into a, a space squid, it's like, what the fuck is this? And then the squid gets sucked in. They have to bait the squid with the escape pod, and there's a black hole. And and this is like, this is a lot all at once. And also, this is a Star Wars movie, not a space monster movie. Yeah, it was a little extra. Yeah, yeah. That being said, though, I do, I do love the scene when they're trying to leave the mine planet, and then the uh, star destroyer shows up, and it's the only time we really see the Empire in this movie. Um, like in full force. I think that's a really cool visual um, and, and probably like the coolest visual in this movie. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of great visuals in this one.
1: Yeah, I think I agree for the most part. I think this stuff on Kessel's really cool. I like how everybody has something to do. I like that L3 has this moment where she takes out the – what is it called? The um, restricting chip? Yeah. The restricting bolt, something like that. And then she starts yeah. to see that these droids are and like, she's able... like barbaric. Yeah. She's starting to see that these droids can actually have freedom or whatever. And that becomes their goal. And like, like Austin said, I love the moment where Chewie sees these captive Wookiees. And at first, Han's like, hey, we've got a job to do. Let's go. And then just like a split second later, he's like, what am I talking about? I, I mean, I, I used to be in those Wookiees' position. And then he tosses him a weapon as like, see you around. Great moment. And watching Chewie pick a man up. And shove their neck into the ground was like, whoa, (laughs) that person died. Yeah, it does a great job of uh,
2: presenting the Wookiee's strength for sure. Yeah, Yeah. we don't really see that a lot in this franchise. And so that's cool. Yeah, because in the prequels, you see him like strangling people, but that's about it. You don't, this one, he's slamming people into the walls, throwing them up. Against the ceiling, yeah, it's it's nuts.
1: Yeah, and then I, I like L 3s death, the way that happens, how it clearly affects Lando, and I like like Austin again said, I like that Han's immediate reaction is to go back up Lando, this person who barely knows, instead of just getting on the ship and leaving, which they easily could have.
0: I thought he was going to because in um I I think it's Empire, is that where we meet Lando? Whichever movie yeah. we meet Lando, whenever they have their reunion, Lando makes a point to say like, hey, you didn't get the Millennium from me fairly, so I honestly thought Han was going to leave lando here <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah they could have but i liked that han didn't because he's not that 10 years from now han would but not yet as for the space stuff i guess it works a bit more for me uh, on the one hand you have to think about it in the sense of since they chose to do the castle run they have to make it treacherous enough that han solo could do something cool and have done done this the fastest or in the quickest amount of time or whatever so it's like if it was just this trash heap it's like eh, why is han so good He can just move his thing faster, you know what I mean? So I get why they introduced this space monster element where basically if any ship went off course, they just never came back. They died. So it was cool to see them escape and I like I like some of that. But I, overall I agree. It is silly. It is silly.
0: He doesn't use really any piloting skills to get away from the space monster though. He's just yeah, lucky exactly. that they have rocks That's, raw that's, that's coaxium why it doesn't really reward. work. That's
1: why it doesn't really work. They come up with this cool coaxium idea, which does look cool visually where they just like look like they're about to die, Lando gives up, and then it kicks it and they go extremely fast. I like that we there's a moment where he's piloting, and also I like that Lando gives him the okay to pilot while he's like creating L 3s body, and he's like, and they, yeah. they tell Han to go, and Han just, just instinctively jumps in the pilot's chair, and there's this cool moment where he's flying and also like to his side like fixing something that's broken. It's just kind of a cool little visual as well. But overall, I wish I I would have liked the actual uh, Kessel Run more. The space monster thing is weird, but overall, I will say if I ever go back and watch a New Hope, and whenever I hear that Kessel Run line. It'll be one of the few things from Han Solo's future stuff that references past stuff. I'll be like, yeah, it's a cool memory I have. Like I'm going to – whenever I hear the Kessel Run, I'm going to think of like some cool sequences, I guess is what I'm saying. There was one part during the Kessel Run. I think it's
2: during this part is whenever Kira, I think, is kind of co-piloting with Han – And then she's like, we need to turn this on and turn this off. And Chewie just comes up and starts flipping all these switches. Yeah. And he officially becomes Han's co-pilot right there, pretty much. Yeah. And I thought that was cool.
1: Also, I'm so glad you said this, Keith. That was a great moment. And we also get, legitimately, it's going to sound so silly, but I'm being serious. It's one of my favorite lines in the entire Star Wars series. Because it's actually not just doing fan service, but it's reflecting on a character, giving us an origin we didn't want, but doing something really cool in kind of a subtle way while also appeasing Star Wars fans.
0: Please don't tell me you're going to say what I think you're going to say.
1: I've got a really good feeling about this. It's a good line. It oh is a good line. Oh my God. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We get <laughs> no, all these characters. To sh- we get just every character service. in this series just saying, I've got a bad feeling about this. And it's like, yeah, it's just I know because you all say that I liked that It's we, just fan
0: service because then the same people that love wedge are pointing at the screen going,
1: <laughs> it's like, it's Han said it, but it's different. No, <laughs> it's I'm sure all the fans hated it. <laughs> If look at the fucking response to Last Jedi, all I'm sure most of the fans are like No, how could he not say he had a bad feeling about this? That's impossible. I like the line, because it shows that Han is not. I hate the
0: line. Keith, like you it. gotta settle the score. Do you like it or hate it?
1: He's it shows that he's not fully formed yet. He's a positive guy, Keith. You don't like him being positive.
2: <laughs> I've got a good feeling about you siding with me.
1: I think Keith wants to side with Austin, but he just likes me more. I honestly I have to stay neutral because I think Oh, you're
0: like Han Solo in a New Hope. Han Solo hasn't been new neutral for this entire franchise.
1: <laughs> I guess you're right. I knew he cared about more than just money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's let's move on.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so the Kessel Run does kind of take us into take us into this whole sequence of events where we learn that these marauders are actually these like angsty teenagers who are like forming a resistance towards the crime syndicates and the empire by de facto. Um, what do you guys think about this whole? We're going to establish the origin of where the rebellion and the resistance came from.
1: This is where I will wholeheartedly agree with what some of the stuff you guys have been saying. This is just weirdly unnecessary. I don't know why this had to happen. It's just in this shoehorned movie. in there. Yeah, I, I thought Enfys Nest as a character was kind of interesting, and the the design is awesome. But then to find yeah, out that she's cool. this is like the spark of the Rebellion just seems so odd. Because at the end, when it's like, you should join with us, we're the Rebellion. And Han's like, no. And it's supposed to be like, well, that's so cool. in ten years from now, when he does join... And it's like, I didn't need to see him say no to this before the original trilogy. It's so unnecessary, in my opinion.
0: It's also just weird to think that Han Solo, this guy who is supposed to be neutral until he falls in love with Leia, helps spark the creation of the Resistance. Like, it's just weird that he has that much connectivity to this galaxy.
1: I agree with you, but just to play devil's advocate for the sake of conversation, at least it is unintentional. He doesn't know who these people are until after the fact. So I guess... That's at least something. But I agree with you. I don't think this should have been in the movie. And to Austin's earlier points, if they if this is where the Enfys Nest plot line was going, which is nowhere, it's just to do something that we already knew with like join the rebellion. And it's like no, obviously. So if that if that's what that was going, just take all of it out and spend more time on other stuff. So that's kind of where this storyline left me feeling. I just didn't care about it at yeah. all. they came out with their badass
2: suits and all that, and then they they made it seem like whenever she took all her took off her helmet we were supposed to have like this gasping moment i was just like that wasn't that cool
0: (laughs) it's also just like we also never see any of these characters again so it's not like any of them unless i'm wrong like i don't think any of them go on to become like generals in the rebellion right if they had like taken off their helmet and it was like organa or something like that maybe that would have been cool but
1: maybe yeah yeah to your point it's like they're apparently the spark of the rebellion so it, it is one of those weird things when you do a prequel it's like Oh, that is kind of weird. Looking forward now to a new hope that this rebellion ten years later is as big as it is, and it's like I guess Nest started that, but where are they now? I have no idea. So it is—it it is weird for sure. It's it kind of the most glaring thing that I don't really love about this movie for me personally.
2: Kira has just killed Dryden, and then she makes a important phone call, and who is it?
1: <laughs> bum, bum, ba-da-bum, bum, ba-da-bum. Which plays, by the way, which was awesome.
2: Darth Maul is
1: back, and he's alive.
0: It also isn't Ray Park in this movie. The guy that voices Darth Maul here is the guy from the animated series, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's Ray Park sitting there, and then Sam Witwer from Force Unleashed and the Clone Wars and Rebels and all that good stuff actually voices him here.
0: Yeah, I guess for some reason I I was under the impression this movie took place even before... The Phantom Menace, so I guess I just thought it was like a younger Darth Maul, but I guess that doesn't really make sense, chronologically.
2: Yeah, No, at this point, yeah, Darth Maul would have been... This is 20 years after
1: Phantom Menace, so... So he's the head of this gang, apparently. <laughs> Again, yeah. this is, as we talked about with Kira, uh, the the Darth Maul thing is the most blatant, not even in a bad way. It's a fun scene, but certainly done in order to uh, tease a sequel or a spinoff or whatever they were going to do.
0: Well, get ready for the hit new NBC sitcom, Darth Maul NBC. Crime Boss. <laughs>
1: Darth Maul. Wow.
0: So that's the bulk of the movie. Let's now get in to some quick hits.
1: Like like we already said, I think the best Chewbacca stuff is in this movie. We got lots of hot and chewy interplay, becoming the co-pilot for each other, all that good stuff. Overall, do we like their intro to each other in the Beast in the Cage and what happens after that?
0: I guess I just kind of want to know why he's caged up like that. And has he been eating people? That's another I question.
1: So. I think so. I mean, they threw I thought people, that was kind of funny. They threw people down there and I don't think they were coming out. So,
0: okay. What do you, what do we think about the score overall in this movie? We get some classics. We get some new renditions, Matt, like or dislike.
1: I'm going to say overall, I disliked it. Look, here's the thing. When it comes to star Wars, you have such an iconic John Williams score, and not just one. There's so many. We've already talked about this before in previous episodes with Star Wars inter uh music bracket episode. I I, I admit that with Star Wars, it's tough to like actually hear <laughs> different compositions because it's just so jarring. But I do think I can be a bit fair here like Rogue One. I just think... They're not as good as the other stuff. They're fine, but it's nothing special. And its I don't think it's any surprise that my favorite moments in terms of music in this film were, like we mentioned already, whenever Duel of the Fates comes in just a little bit, whenever Darth Maul comes on screen, it's like, just, hell yeah, it's so cool. And then another huge moment for me is the first time we get the iconic Star Wars theme is whenever Han and Chewie get to see the Millennium Falcon for the first time, which is so great, in my opinion. Whenever they walk up, they finally get to see their ship that they've heard about. And then that's when you, they kind of click in. The Star Wars score was just perfect. Everything else, was overall, it's fine, but nothing special. So I'm going to go dislike.
2: I'm pretty neutral on this one. Matt, you hit pretty much all my points. I mean, I'll say like. Um, just, so, yeah, just because they did a good job with with the the nostalgic scenes, like Chewie and Han becoming co- co-pilots together and seeing the Millennium Falcon and Darth Maul. Yeah, they did fine with that. Other than that, it was just... Pretty good. I mean, and then and then they ended the movie off with the classic Star Wars theme. So yeah, I'm also to say like I'm gonna go dislike because it's ultimately forgettable. Uh, the only good moments are the John Williams portions. So what do you guys think about Beckett? He's probably one of my favorite parts of this movie, and I liked how he set up kind of what Han Solo becomes. Not so much the the bad guy side, but uh, you know he's the one who gives him the uh, the lead on the job in Tatooine with Jabba. So I thought that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give him a like as well. I think he did a great job in this movie.
1: Big like for me as well. I like the comparison. I like that we can see Luke in A New Hope and his mentor is Obi-Wan and by the time Return of the Jedi comes around, he's trying to emulate Ben Kenobi as as much as he can. And here, we can see the flip side. Han Solo doesn't get that kind of intro. His mentor is Beckett, who's this smuggler and almost this uh guy that's just out for himself and he has to kill him at the end in order to out of his own self-interest in order to survive. So it's really cool. I like the performance. I like how the character is used. And Woody Harrelson's always great. I feel like this guy is just so underrated in terms of, like, I think people think he's funny and, like, he's good. But, dude, this guy's just great in everything. Even the emotional moments. Whenever um, Val dies, his reaction is just, like, gut-wrenching. I barely even know Val, but I'm like, oh, my God, that's so sad. (laughs) All right, so we already talked about it a little bit, but I want to get your guys' like or dislike here. The final scene with Lon and Han—Lon and (laughs) Hando— Oh no, you're going to have to keep this <laughs> in now. God damn it. Okay. The final scene with Lando and Han. Pretty perfect to me. I like how it followed up, like I said, from the original casino scene. I like how Lando's terrified after abandoning Han and Chewie and everybody on um, the planet. So he's like, oh, Han, you know, hey. And then he just hugs him. He's like, oh, all good. And he steals his card and then he gets Millennium Falcon. I know we talked about it already, but guys, give me your like or dislike because this is one of my biggest likes of the movie. I love this scene.
2: I'm going to give it a like as well. This hug is where Alden feels the most like classic Han Solo to me. Yeah, definitely a like for me. I thought Alden and uh, Donald Glover definitely got the Billy Dee Williams, Harrison Ford chemistry down to a T. That's in, a good point. This, yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels exactly like it do, like it did in uh, Empire when they when when uh, Lando per- was pretending that ba- like he was about to punch Han and then he just goes in for the hug like they had that weird tension all the time like where they're friends but they're constantly like watching out for it. they don't quite trust each other all the time
0: so the new droid we meet is L3 what do we think lame or cool like or
2: dislike i'm going to go more dislike for me oh. i like some i like some of it i thought it was funny but a lot of it got annoying for me like the her whole equality with the droids thing like Okay, what? You're a droid. Who gives a shit? I don't care. And then,
1: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Any droids out in the audience? Sorry, we didn't know Keith. Sorry,
2: I'm not. I'm not for droids' rights. You're. You're not. You're not human, or you're not uh, organic matter. Who cares? Um, except for R2D2. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting into the politics side of this. No, that just got a little
0: annoying. We're going to have the um, computer rights people coming at us.
1: <laughs> yeah, Geek Squad.
0: I'm going to give her a like. I think she's really funny. And I think she has, She is the one character in this movie that actually made me laugh.
1: I'm going to... I'll fall in the middle. I'm going to give it a Like... Uh, because I also found the character funny and I actually kind of, I found the start of the droid equality thing kind of funny, like, cause it just felt ridiculous. But then as it went on, I was like, yeah, you got it, L3. This is kind of cool. Like watching them trying to steal his coaxium and she just has her completely own agenda. I thought was really exciting to watch as like the ringleader of this movement. But I will say the part where it's lame is where it leads to L3 dies and then, it almost feels like L3 had to die just so they could shove like some chip in her into the Millennium Falcon, which becomes their navigational system. I was like, oh, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> so I like L3 while she's alive, but when dead, it becomes kind of dumb.
2: Yeah, so the train scene. What would you guys think about this? Like or dislike?
0: Dislike. It's a CGI fest. They're never in danger. It's stupid.
1: Oh, you're dumb, dude. The CG looked great, though. The CG looked great. Keith, am I crazy here? I love this scene. This I scene was fun. It.
2: I was just gonna say I thought it was a good intro into like Han's first big heist smuggling yeah. job, so it was necessary.
0: This is where I turned off the movie every time. <laughs>
2: Oh my god!
1: I think it looks really cool. Um, I I just like the premise of it, where they're on this train that's just zipping around these mountains, and it twists around the track. So there's scenes where like Woody Harrelson or someone's like hanging off on a cable. Then the train turns, they kind of naturally come back on top. So I like the blocking of it. I think it moves in a cool way. I agree with Austin, though. I mean, obviously they have these weird scenes where Han and Chewie are like about to die, and it's like, what are they doing? Like that's that doesn't work for me. But for the other characters, like when um. Uh, Rio, who's piling at that point, dies. I was kind of surprised, and then Val, who sacrifices herself, I like that stuff, and that works for me. So overall, it's a big like. The only thing I don't like is the Han and Chewie, like weird, like trying to save him from dying, which we know is not going to happen.
0: All right, and I do also just want to mention we do finally get the definitive answer <gasps> to Han or Han.
1: Oh, oh, that's you guys a, remember I this forgot. scene? Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. we talked about the original trilogy, so I forgot about this. Yeah,
0: yeah, wow. So uh, Lando calls Han, he goes, hey Han, and Han goes, it's Han.
1: Which I love. And that's I the love. answer. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's a
0: good moment, good moment. All right, guys, well, I hope you came prepared with your Star Wars rankings today. Hell yeah. Let's go ahead and rank our current movies of the ones that we've seen for the show. We're one movie away from making our definitive rankings. Crazy. I think I might have the most controversial list today. So I'll go ahead and start us off, mm, okay. and here we are. I'm going to go number one, Rogue One. Number two, The Last Jedi. Number three, Empire. Number four, Revenge. Number five, The Force Awakens. Number six, The Phantom Menace. Number seven, Attack of the Clones. Number eight, Solo. Number nine, A New Hope. And number 10, Return of the Jedi.
1: Solo is worse than Attack of the Clones, people. You're right. The sequence You're on right. Geonosis
0: is better than the entirety of Solo, which is simply why I could not put Solo above Attack of the Clones.
1: What about the character? What about the character interactions? None of that was... <laughs>
0: Attack the of the Clones is one, one of my like favorite sucks, sequences dude. of events. I just think Solo is such a bad time. I don't think it's fun. I was bored the whole time we were watching it. It has like three good moments.
1: Attack of the Clones is garbage
0: <laughs> <laughs> for the, for three fourths of the movie it's garbage
1: the ending of attack of the clones where all these jedis come into this arena padme and anakin just were like i truly deeply love you <laughs> and then they fight they fight cg animals and then uh All the Jedi come and they all die somehow, even against blaster bolts. And then Sam Jackson comes out and is like, don't take another step. And then he almost dies fighting <laughs> Jango Fett. And then Boba Fett cradles his the, the head of his dad. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan get in the ship that Yoda comes in. And then Padme falls out and rolls down a hill. And then Anakin goes, let the ship down. <laughs> <laughs> and then Obi-Wan's like... Okay,
0: okay, okay. I, you're right. You're right. I truly, truly Deeply enjoy lefty. watching. <laughs> <laughs> I truly, truly enjoy watching baby-faced Han Solo feed a space monster an escape pod. That's so much more exciting than watching a fifteen Jedi fight in an arena and take on a whole army of droids. But
2: other things are soft.
1: <laughs> All right, Keith. I need, I need you to do your list, Keith. I need you to do All your right. list and right. hopefully make me feel better. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Keith. Keith, let's mix it up, mix it up. Start the end of your list. Start the end and work up.
2: Okay. All right. Number ten, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Number nine, Solo.
1: What are you guys doing?
2: <laughs> number. <laughs> you
1: liked this movie, I thought. I do.
2: <laughs> Isn't this lower than where I put, put it? It'll probably it go it lower up next than time. where I put it. Right now, it's at the bottom. It's probably gonna move up next time. Why? It'll be probably number seven next time. Oh right now it's God. number nine because I got to okay. think about it more. I got to let it okay, sink in okay. more. Okay,
1: okay, just think about it more.
2: All right. So ten, Attack of the Clones. Number nine, Solo. Number eight, Return of the Jedi. Number seven, Force Awakens. Number six, New Hope. Number five, Last Jedi. It moved up. Whoa!
1: I like that. I like that.
2: Number four, Phantom Menace. Number three, Rogue One. Number two, nice. Revenge of the Sith. And number one,
1: Empire Strikes Back. Always my number one. All right. I, I didn't think I was going to be this, like, different from you guys. <clears throat> but here's what I got. And to be fair, just so everybody knows, I did not change this after you guys spoke. Like, I, I added, I had my list from last week. I didn't want to do what I do every week, which I just, like, guess where everything's going to fall. I took the list I made last week and just added Solo in. That's all I did. But apparently, I did I'm, too. apparently I'm crazy. But here's here's what I got. All right. Number 10. I'm at least in lockstep with Keith here. Number 10 is Attack of the Clones. As much as I don't like Rise of Skywalker, Attack of the Clones ain't moving. So that's number 10. Number nine, Return of the Jedi. I agree. I think it's a decently made movie, but overall, it's just boring. One of the most boring ones here. Number eight, The Phantom Menace. Number seven, A New Hope. This doesn't hold up for me anymore. Number six, The Force Awakens. Number five. Revenge of the Sith. What? Yep. Number four. What do you think is my number four?
0: Do you think Solo is the best is the
1: fourth best movie in this franchise? No, I think it's the third because number four is Rogue One. Number three is Solo. What? Oh my god. Number <laughs> two is idiot. Empire Strikes Dude. Back. Rogue and number one is, one is, not is the worse last than Solo. Jedi! <laughs> no! you moved
0: you moved you moved rogue one way down from last time then
1: rogue one was last well, time i
0: thought you went last jedi then rogue one
1: no no no. last week it was last jedi empire rogue one so last week it was number three but i think solo works better uh it has more interesting characters than rogue one uh, if you go back to our rogue solo's one a review, boring movie problem is the characters in rogue one and th- that's where it falls apart for me
0: then the characters here are better
1: yeah we got han solo chewbacca lando you loved lando Chewbacca I like Beckett as the mentor I think he's a this cool a inverse mentor movie. figure I like Kira I was hoping to see more from her Dryden was a fun villain not in it very much got Maul back I mean I can't even name the characters from Rogue One because they're all lame they have one cool scene and they die fucking Riz Ahmed accidentally blew himself up with a grenade with it and he couldn't run out of the ship save the dream <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's take our anger and let's put it into something constructive. Let's do the Arnie's Podcast Awards.
1: I'm going first. My award is for me. Matt Johnson, I'm the number one solo fan. That's my (laughs) award. I earned it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What do you guys got?
2: I shit all over her earlier. Best Robot Activist. Goes to L3. We got to recommend her. She was trying, but it did get annoying.
0: And I'm going to close this out today. I'm going to give a biggest waste of a CGI budget to the space squid. Maybe if they hadn't included that space squid, they actually would have been profitable at the box office. Maybe
1: if they hadn't included Did that space squid. That? Did you think would about a, that? Did you think about that, Ron? Attack of the Clones under it because of his precious Geonosis sequence. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not I'm, bored now I'm just during that sequence. A space squid during the Geonosis sequence. <laughs> Sam Jackson beheads it. It's too
2: dangerous to be left
1: alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alrighty, everybody. Let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend that really does help us grow the show, even if it doesn't seem like this, at the Arnie's is our social and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for a discussion on some movies that we think are underrated.
1: And everybody, like we binged at the top, I hope you enjoyed our review of the first episode of season two of the Mandalorian. Go check your podcast feed. We just did that. And like I said at the beginning, we will be reviewing each episode after they come out. So be sure to tune in. We're excited for season two of the Mandalorian. And don't forget. You will be tuning in. If you listen to the award winning podcast. (laughs) Mando's stuck in the war.
2: Yeah. And check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on Star Wars, The Mandalorian. Maybe even give us a ghost story if you missed our ghost story episode on Halloween. Give us a shout.
1: Also, can you DM us? Am I crazy? Do people like or not like Solo? Because we talked about this movie and I thought we liked it. And my best friends, Austin and Keith, (laughs) they think Attack of the Clones is better. Am I crazy? Someone come to my defense.
0: (laughs) all right everybody we'll see you next week and also we keep reading to mention this if you send us a message we'll read it on the show whatever you say we're gonna read it so send
1: us a message come on call me a fucking idiot for liking this movie i don't care i'll read it